Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we're talking about stuff that works. These are concepts that many of us have found rich and helpful over the last several years, so much so that we wanted to compile them into a group of conversations to give us each easy access to these tools. I'm Melissa Locke, and I am here getting to talk with you some more about stuff that works, these concepts that we as a community have found really helpful um, to have in our shared vocabulary as we try to figure life out. Um, what makes life work? And today we're coming back to a really useful concept, and that is this distinguishing between what I'm going to call today healthy reels and ideals and unhealthy reels and ideals. Confusion about the reels and ideals of our lives cause a lot of problems. The main one being that it sets us up to be incredibly hard on ourselves as we try to have this constant quest to reach for these impossible ideals and measure ourselves against them. That is not a great way to live. We get together here in person and on the live stream, welcome live streamers and podcast listeners and in groups because we are wrestling with what does it mean to live our lives fully and as well as we can, right? We think that getting to live is a pretty great thing and it's worth wrestling with how to do it <laughs> together. Um, so we, we wrestle with what, the, what it means to be alive and how do we weave our lives together. And one of the things that I think we can all agree on is hustling around trying to measure up to unattainable ideals is defeating and it's exhausting and it's no way to live. And it also keeps us from actually enjoying our life, from becoming ourselves that the world needs us to be, from showing up um, as who we are uniquely. So that's a problem. Um, and I, don't you think that uh, maybe this could be a way to understand what Jesus had in mind when he talked about his reason for showing up? Um, he said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Doesn't that sound like life that works? Yeah. Um, abundant life, living in ways that accept and make peace with the realities uh, that we can't change, the parts of ourselves, our experiences, our histories, the, the present situation, and it knows how to look beyond those things and reach for what is possible, to take hold of life that is really life, not some cheaper, ultimately disappointing version that we temporarily settle for until we realize we just have to keep hustling to look for it. All right, so one way we settle is this stuckness that we get ourselves into, fall into, whatever, very understandably, in these unhealthy versions of our real and ideal. I'm going to be talking through each of these, but you're going to recognize them, and you're going to have your own words and your own examples that you're going to want to add. So um, I encourage you to do that. And I want to start um, over here with the unhealthy reels. So this is the spot I'm going to stand in this unhealthy real place and talk to you about what it's like here. And you're going to recognize this. So you look in the mirror and you say, I am not okay. 
and you're maybe comparing yourself to something else to let you know that. I'm not okay. Um, it's a place where you would feel demoralized, maybe defensive, embarrassed, inadequate. It's a place where you might feel overly responsible for things, blaming yourself for things that you actually had nothing to do with. If I was only a better kid or partner, maybe she wouldn't drink so much. If I just had known what to say, maybe he wouldn't be so sad. We beat ourselves up for things that we can't control. We try to control things that we, it's not our place. Um, we make unfair comparisons. We compare what we're feeling and experiencing on the inside with what we see on the outside of others, right? It's like the blooper reel, my blooper reel, compared to your, what is it, highlight reel, right? And I don't think I have to tell anyone that social media has put that on steroids, right? It is so easy to find these perfect lives out there to compare ours to. And maybe that's why Fat Bear Week is so refreshing. <laughs> I mean, it is really catching on. If you haven't heard of it, there's some of you I know I've already talked to, like you know the bear you're voting for. These bears are just doing their thing every year to get ready for hibernation, and they fatten up. That is their job. Meanwhile, we're here being super harsh with ourselves, judging ourselves. I'm supposed to know and be all this stuff. Let's just be like the bears, okay? <laughs> That's it. But no, we, we, we are human beings, and we fall into this place, and often we see ourselves not measuring up and, and go into a shame place. We hide. We check out. We kind of need to keep secrets because what's really going on in me is not okay to share. I don't even want to tell myself. I don't even want to admit it to myself. It just feels too impossible, too hard. So we keep secrets and we pretend that everything's fine and okay, even when it's not. It gets pretty lonely here in the unhealthy reel. And it can feel like you are, maybe this is a strong word, but just condemned. There is no chance, there's no way I'm going to ever be like that person or have that kind of life or have that sense of balance, or you know, whatever, fill in the blank, that thing that you want, that you feel like you're missing. Okay, so the unhealthy reel has a partner, it's called the unhealthy ideal. And the unhealthy ideal is the land of greener pastures, right? The grass is always greener over there in the unhealthy ideal. So we walk toward it and we say, if I only had that job, that life, that wardrobe, that education, you know, fill in your blank. If I only had that, then that would be living, right? And then you strive and you, maybe you get there and you realize it doesn't exist. There is nothing to stand on. It disappears, and you realize that was all a fantasy. It was a fiction. It was impossible to be that, although that perfect. It's not what you thought it was. Um, and yet, it judges our reels. This place 
causes us to feel hostile towards ourselves and others, toward our realities. Maybe it causes pity. Maybe it leads to envy as we you know, project all kinds of things onto other people and make false assumptions about what their lives are like and what my life could be like if only that. It's a place of, you know, issuing out credit and blame all the time because we need to please, we need to perform, we need to prove and, and perfect, right? So we're looking in the mirror and we're saying, I'd be okay if only I were more perfect. It's so paralyzing. I heard about a fifth grader who loved math. She was so good at it. She always got like the highest scores. And she thought, I'm going to go into this, you know, sciences, and I might be a doctor someday. And then one day, the, um, the scores came back for some tests, and the teacher was writing them out on the board, like publicly for some reason. And everyone gasped when this student's name was not on top. She had gotten the second best score in the class. And she said, that is the day this a grown woman decided, I decided that I was bad at math and I could never be a doctor. Wow, wow. Is this what we do to ourselves? <sighs> it's paralyzing. Um, it also sets us up into this zero-sum thinking, like I need to be the best or I'm nothing, I need to be superhuman, or I'm just subpar. There are winners and losers, and I need to fight to be a winner. And we try to measure up, and eventually, we're always found lacking again and again. So there is no real path between your real and this fantastical ideal, right? There's no way to get there. They're both distortions and illusions of what really is and of what's possible. But there sure is a lot of money to be made in convincing us that it is possible, right? Um, there, there is profit to be had in keeping us chasing after, um, hustling, trying you know, to amass the right skills and the right habits and the right products and the right apps to buy things, to buy into things, to sign up for things, to reject things. You know, all of these things we're told are going to be the thing for us. Or maybe they're going to help us deal with how crappy this feels. They're going to help us feel better. And, you know, some of those things do help us out there. And we keep running into ourselves wherever we go. We think we've got it figured out. We've you know, found a way to have this balanced life or achieve this important thing. And there's always another thing to look for, to reach for, to be better, a way to be better. And we find ourselves looking in the mirror again and not measuring up and feeling quite alone and kind of crazy. I think it becomes more like those funhouse mirrors, right? Those crazy distortions of what we look like, what we really are part of. Uh, maybe those filters that, they, that we can put on our pictures of our phones. So it feels more like that than anything true. That's because it's not true. 
It's not true. You're only seeing distortions and illusions of who you are and what you're a part of. Okay, so the good news is these aren't the only two chairs. There's a new space, a different space, and that's what I want to talk about next. And this is a space of the healthy reels and the healthy ideals. And we can stand, we can show up in this space. So that's what I want to talk about next. So the healthy, healthy reel. So this is a spot where I look in the mirror and I say, I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm not perfect, but I'm good. Good enough. Yeah. The healthy reel isn't afraid to admit limits. Um, this is a place where we can be authentic. It involves some vulnerability, some embarrassment sometimes. Do you have any friends who will tell you about that really weird long hair that's growing out of that place that really shouldn't be, like your shoulder? Not that I've ever needed that, friend, but, <laughs> you know. It can be embarrassing to be a real person. But this is a place where you are seen, you are accepted. You can take an honest assessment of yourself. So that means the negative things, the hard things, but also the positive things, right? Like, okay, there's some hard stuff, and, you know, I've made a little progress. Um, I've got some assets to work with. I've got friends. You know, it's a place where we take an honest assessment. We take stock. And we can take appropriate responsibility. We can see, okay, this is something I can have an impact on and influence, and that's something I can't, and we wrestle with that. Um, sometimes that means we admit guilt. We did something wrong. We are not wrong. That's that big difference between guilt and shame that we have to keep reviewing with ourselves. So, yeah, guilt and regret. We can't avoid regrets. We will have them. But what if we ad admit that and say, oh, yeah, that's a part of this? Does some of the power that it has on us kind of start to melt away if we just normalize? Yeah, there's going to be regret. There's going to be grief. Grief is allowed. It's something to feel here. It's something to move through. Um, this is a space where I think you get right-sized, right? You're, it's a space of humility, but never humiliation. I think the humiliation is more on the shame side. It's a place where your willfulness to get there and get somewhere is, is shifted into willingness. Hmm. Yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing to look. I'm willing to be honest. I'm willing to give it, give it a try. Um, and there is this desire to grow and try instead of this total, like, this is a heavy place. Like, I don't even want to try over here, right? But here, you know, I can maybe see, see some possibility. I can see a next step. I'm not so stuck here. All right, and that really naturally leads me over here to the healthy, ideal part of this space. So this is where we can look in the mirror and I can say, I'm okay, and I have a life to live. I got stuff I want to do. I got a day in front of me. I've got people I care about, things that I care about, things I'm part of that I need to show up for. 
I feel inspired, I feel motivated, never measured or judged here. That's a hard one to stay in, but, but we can, we can practice. Um, we can see horizons from this place and we let them inspire us, even though a horizon is not any place you can ever actually arrive, right? There's always another one, but it orients you. It sends you in a meaningful direction. It matters to try to get there. In fact, the horizons that you see from here, which might be different from mine, but they will feel like, oh, this is what life is about. Yeah, yeah. It's solution-oriented. Um, it helps, it's a place where you can take one step at a time, and that's enough. There's less rushing, there's less urgency in this space. It's a space of kindness, um, starting with yourself. I was having uh, one of my beloved conversations with my oldest kiddo, and he was talking about getting home from a cooking job and the on your feet, like high-paced sushi chef situation. And, and a lot of people say, well, you must go home and just like collapse on the couch. And, and he said, yeah, sometimes I do want to do that, but I've actually started asking myself, like, what would it look like to be a friend to myself? and I end up cooking really good food for myself after I get home from my chef job, and I end up sometimes going for a walk, and I end up sometimes not cooking, you know? Like, it's just asking that question. How can I be a friend to myself? I love that. Okay, so this is a place where you have the ability to stay in motion without needing certainty, you know? So Av got home and said, I could cook or I could not cook, and it's gonna be okay. Like, I don't have these hard rules that I always have to follow. Things can shift. So it's not clean, but it's, it's complex. It holds, it holds the real stuff of life that changes around you all the time, that, and the changes that are in you. And it's a place where two things that seem to be in conflict can be true at one time. Like, I am free to make the best choices for me, and I'm also responsible to other people. So that kind of limits me, right? It's a place of freedom and a place of limits, both at the same time. It's a place of excellence and not perfection. So I hope you've heard this here a lot. Um, we strive for excellence and never and try to really avoid reaching for perfection. But of course we catch ourselves all, or I catch myself all the time. I won't speak for you guys. But excellence is doing the best you can with what you have right now. With your real, your real reels, your healthy reels, and your healthy ideals. So excellence, not perfection. All right, so that's a kind of taste of these. And can you see how there's, you know, there's no way to get from here to that illusion? But this is, this is all accessible, right? There's like movement in here. You can do stuff. You can move. Um, and this is where there's this natural relationship between your realities and your hopes and your aspirations. There's a step that you can see. This is the place where this fantastic conversation happens um, between your true self and the people that you're living with, the world that you're living with, and all that we are woven into together. All three strands that we talk about. Um, 
And it's a place that we're not on our own. Like, we're not trying to live this isolated life, trying to get somewhere. We are part of something. We are not alone. And things are possible. And it honestly just makes sense. I don't feel so crazy here. Okay? (sighs) Yeah. Um, An example of how we can help each other in this space. Um, I was talking to another, like, student uh, about this idea, a college student, and they said, oh my gosh, that reminds me of something my friend said to me, and they were really, like, working hard at university classes and, um, you know, dealing with some health issues, trying to figure that out, and also having to work in order to keep the student loan debt, you know, from getting crazy, and they're intentional, so they're trying to, like, make new friends and keep up the old friends, and I mean, they just had this long list of, like, books, and then there's the podcast to listen to, and all these things, and, and um, their friend was talking to them, or listening, or witnessing all this, and just said, you know, you are not a project. You're a person. And when she said that, I could see her, like, get taller. I'm, you know, I'm not a project. I'm a person. I could see her breathe, and I felt it in myself, too. Like, whoa, yeah. I'm not a project. And that's how this space sees you as a human. So consider, consider this that who you are is not fixed, it's not static, it's not unchanging, you know, some destiny you're just condemned to or that you get to live. Who you are is an unfolding conversation that happens here. It's between your reals and your ideals that are always changing and shifting because you're a human being in this world. They talk to and inform and dance perhaps dance with each other, okay? Um, Your healthy real is in conversation with your healthy ideal. And that's this deep down sense of what can be. It draws you out and toward a horizon that compels you to things that matter to the unique you that is you. Your healthy ideal reflects that true self part of you it also reflects the others that are part of your lives, the planet that you live on, the third strand, the divine, the mysterious source of life, the God strand that regards you, that is in this with you. Yeah. So who you are is not something that you have to go find somewhere or to excavate and discover. It's already there. It's already a part of what you are living already. Um, Your identity, so it's discovered and created, right? It's this true self part of you and it's this unique creation that is your life. And it gets created as you move through all of these reels, right? These relationships and conditions and experiences of your life that each draw or pull on different parts of you. That's a conversation that matters. That's a conversation I want all of us to be having. This is your life. It's your unfolding, wonder-filled, important life. 
and there's no other life like yours. So live it. Let's live these lives. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? What do you see? You will get caught up in these, these unhealthy places, right? You will. But there's always a new moment. Um, Katie had us taking breaths earlier. There's always a new breath to take, take that step back on, back into that space, back onto the, back onto the mat if you do yoga. <laughs> the Bible has been trying to show us this pattern for millennia, trying to help people understand there's nothing to prove. There's just a life to live together. And there's a great story um, that reflects this. And you might have heard it. It's called the prodigal son story. And it's about a kid who um, was the youngest of two. And he decided, that's what I, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. He saw the greener pastures. And he wanted to get his inheritance early and head out to live his life. And so his father said, OK, and gave him his half of the money, and he went, and he tried it all, and he did it all, and he spent all his money on things that were short-term and that later would go on his list of really big regrets, and he ran out of money. He found himself starving and destitute, um, and then he decided, okay, if I went home, at least I could be a hired hand at my father's house. So he's really in the, in the reels over here. And he decides to head back home and um, admit to his dad and the world and God that he has messed up, that he is really nothing, but at least could he have some food, okay? So not in a great place. And here's where I want to pick up and read to you the words from this story. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his dad wasn't hearing it. His dad was too busy planning a party. His son had been lost, had been dead, had been out of the conversation, and had come back. He was back. This was a time to celebrate. It was never about how much the son had gone off track. It was never about getting anywhere. It was about life together. And he had his son back in relationship. He was seeing, yeah, I see you, the reels. His son came back, and he didn't even have really time to, conf to prove himself. His dad saw him before he could even hear a word he said. He saw him from far off. And he was filled with compassion. So the son um, was seen, reels and all, and he was loved. Because he was loved, because he was loved, because he was loved for no other reason. It's like that with God. Or however you know and understand that creative, loving source and power in this world. Um, Karen Stevenson is a pastor and therapist that has been with us and 
helped us explore this real and ideal dynamic. And she talks about how you can know these things, but you have to internalize them somehow. And she described what she, one thing she does is she imagines a picture of herself on the divine refrigerator of God. And every time God walks by it, God says, oh, there's Karen. I love that one. I love that one. Ah, I love that story. So when you feel stuckness, it's time to consider your mirror. Um, what mirrors have been held up for you in your life? What mirrors do we hold up for these young people? Are they the mirrors of comparison? Or can we follow the lead of this father in this story and use mirrors of compassion? What would that be like? How could we replace these mirrors of comparison with mirrors of compassion? All right, so I want to let you practice. In your Sunday paper, there should be a sticky note. I want you to write yourself a note, a message, to remind yourself, hey, you're okay. You know, I don't know what it will sound like for you, but what is a message you could write to yourself that will help you come back to this spot, to this healthy, real, and ideal place? For me, one of the things I remind myself is, easy, honey. That works for me or you're fine, you're doing okay, or stay, breathe. All right, so compassion, I want to just touch on that really less than it deserves. Um, but there's some fantastic work that's been done about the power of compassion. I encourage you to check out the work of Dr. Kristen Neff and Dr. Chris Germer. They have articulated, in case you thought compassion is kind of this nice feel-good thing that just lets you off the hook and accepts everything all the time, they have helped us imagine compassion as being more like you're a mama bear. It's got a tender side, taking care of those cubs, and it's got a fierce side that says, there's stuff to show up for, there's stuff to protect that I care about. So just keep in mind that when you replace those mirrors of comparison with a mirror of compassion, it's both tender and it's fierce. It's accepting, and in that acceptance, it's empowering you to do stuff, to act, to show up. So they name three elements to practicing compassion, and as I name them quickly, I think you'll be able to look up in your list that you made and see, oh, those things are happening when we're, when we're practicing this healthy, real, and ideal thing. So they talk about self-kindness, replacing judgment, mindfulness, awareness, or maybe we call it wisdom, that can embrace the com complexity, um, but still find steps through. So self-kindness, mindfulness, and then common humanity, remembering that we are all unique people who are in process. We're all under construction. We're not all the same, but we're all in process together. Anne Lamott put it this way. When you look in the mirror, maybe you can say these words. God loves you just the way you are, and too much to let you stay that way. <laughs> I like that. You are OK, and you are not perfect. Um, and you have this life to live, roles to grow into, things to discover, to create, to contribute. 
to be and become that perfectly imperfect kind of conglomeration of these reels and ideals of your life, that's your job. That is your job. Can we help each other do that? It's not always easy, but in, in, in this place, as we do this job, we can find ease. It's not going to be fun all the time, but we can find joy. There are still burdens. There are still heavy things, hard things. So I come back to some words a lot um, that have comforted a lot of people or inspired a lot of people over hundreds, hundreds of years, I think. <laughs> you can correct me on that later, but they're from Jesus. And he said, come to me, all who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my sense of responsibility and my way of showing up in this world. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, that way of living, is easy, and my burden is light. There are still burdens. There are still responsibilities. But it fits. It works. It's something that you can do. All right, so I think you can start to feel what becomes possible, what can be born out of this awareness. Um, and you can see how the things that we hide and are ashamed of can start to melt when they come into this light of being seen. So don't be afraid to look in that mirror and really look and have a moment of compassion with yourself. Um, that moment can change your day. Lots of those moments practicing can change your life. And lots of us together practicing that can change the world. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, stay up to date with what's going on with Fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricmpls.com or searching Fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.